0: Enjoyed that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that. Be oh, oh my, I have enjoyed
1: that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that. Tori Stefano and thank you very much for listening in to another episode of In the Sheds on Code with where for today's show. We are joined by Samorn International Pili Kelly. So the half pack starts us off with rugby winter school and how the rugby shit up he had at his disposal, ultimately led him on the path to having a bit of a professional career in the game, before then touching on what it was like to make his international debut, despite not having played any ITM Cup, before then touching on what it was like to play against the All Blacks back in the motherland of Samoa, before rounding it off with playing a bit of rugby over in the US and what it was like being at last year's Rugby World Cup in Japan. So yes, without further ado, I'll let you hear from Mr. Cowley himself. Enjoy. So, I guess for you though, uh, we'll start off with where did you grow up and how did you start playing rugby?
0: So, I was born in a small town in South Waikato, Tokoroa or Tokoroa. And then I moved up to Auckland as a young fella. I went to my grammar school as a kid. Uh, You know, we did really well uh, over there with our first 15, we went undefeated in 2010. Uh, in my last year, we had some, some big names in that team. And, I, you know, after that, I just was involved with open Academy and thought that uh, I'd like to pursue a career in rugby. So I gave it a shot and been fortunate enough to make some some rep teams and, you know, Mighty Team Cup and, yeah, you know, whatnot. So, uh, it's been, been pretty awesome, bro. Like... Um, you know, my career thus far, and, you know, I'll keep playing as long as I keep enjoying it, you know, whether it's club, pro, semi-pro, whatever it may be, I'll stop the, the minute I, I'm not enjoying it. Yeah,
1: it's good cool. uh We'll
0: take it right back, though.
1: So you mentioned playing at Mags, and uh, funnily enough, like, I'm not sure if I'll mention it to you, but I was actually year nine, uh, the year you guys went the whole season undefeated and, and won <laughs> no top four.
0: Way. No, yeah, bro. So
1: yeah, I was um I was a year nine in uh, Mister Baker's class. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, like, he was our manager.
1: yeah, yeah, and so like, I was a year nine, and I was pretty much like I don't know, it was, was almost like a, like a little dog around him, you know, because I knew that he had an affiliation with the first of and Like at the time that you guys like gods, you know, being yeah, there was yeah. in the school. But I think you you mentioned that being a special season for you guys. Uh, But so, and you talk about some of the big names that were involved in the school. I mean, I know them, but maybe you go through that and, like, perhaps, like, was this a journey for that team? Was it, like, a three year build up, or was it just, like, you guys sort of came out of the blue in your final year?
0: Yeah, so um, our our under 14s and under 15s team, um, when I was, you know, third, fourth form, were very strong. Um, When I was playing under 15s, uh, under 14s, Went undefeated and and the team miles are now under 15s we went we went quite well so they sort of naturally naturally progressing we all sort of went up through into the first fifteen system uh coming into 2009 you know we were coached by charlie mcallister and um he sort of exposed us all to to sort of what an actual like professional environment is like and and we're just school kids you know we just love playing footy and because and because as as under 14 and under 15 uh, that you know we were so successful we were kind of um, chasing you know wins and, and that high standard of being successful at mags and it was awesome because like our netball team uh, our, our soccer team they were real successful as well so we just we wanted to, to win it in 2009, when um, we all came up through the grades, because 2007, our first team had won for the first time since, like, 91. And then when, when I hit sort of 6th form, 7th form, we were captained by guys like Stephen Lutour. He was our vice-captain. Uh, he went on, obviously, to be an all-black. And we had guys like you know some of my best mates, like Matt McGann. Uh, he went on to higher honours. Uh, with you know Scott malolois involved with the Reds and Michael Fatialofa was our captain in two thousand ten and uh, Alex Hodgman who's with the Blues now so we had we had some some uh, good players in that team you know they obviously didn't go on to play higher honours just because may maybe they they found other careers or whatever it was so the whole team two thousand nine we did pretty good we won it in 2009, the Auckland Championship. I think we lost, like, four games, and we pretty much retained the whole team leading into seventh form, which was 2010, where we we went the whole season undefeated. I think our closest score was, like, was actually the final of top four against Hamilton. I think it was, like, 21-17. That was the final score. So that was our, our probably most... Um, competitive and closest game, um, but we trained really hard, you know, um, that year, pre season, um, during the season as well, and, and learned what it was like to be, you know, a professional rugby player because, you know, Charlie uh, bought in guys from like the Blues who were, you know, trainers and stuff, and they do all these testings and stuff on us, and, you know, we had, we, we didn't have a gym, we just had. Tires, ropes. So we did old school fitness training, which I think, as a kid, at school was probably the best for you. Instead of you know all these other sort of rich schools that invest a lot in their gyms. So that was pretty pretty cool because it was quite humbling um, in the end when we did win it. Like when we looked back at our preseason, you know, training in the mud, flipping tires, and just you know, running sand dunes. Um, pulling ropes so now we had an awesome season bro, in 2010 and um, yeah I think the school went on to win it in 2016 uh, as well but looking back you know those are the best memories of your your life uh, as your school years you know everyone I think say that you know whether they be a professional rugby player or not they'll say their school years are the best because you know you're so close with all your mates. Every day you're at school, and that's where really, you know find your passion for rugby mainly. Yeah,
1: bro, 100%. Like, I think for me, because they had like a rugby academy as like one of the, the classes, and yeah, I remember just yeah. like being around like Matt McGann, like Milford
0: Kerosoma, uh, like, yeah. Albert. Albert was a big one as well, bro. Yeah. Like he was a, yeah, freak, bro. Was a fullback, and oh, he, he, he went on wow. higher honours as well. Yeah. and uh, but was, yeah, he was massive for us that season as well um just real calm at the back and uh he had he had like a 65 meter range with his goal kick which was you know unheard of in school well, i remember that i remember like he he
1: didn't even use a tee once like he was like kicking them from the opposite 10 meter line like off the ground
0: yes yeah, so he like, oh. he'd just do that to muck around it's quite funny we'd, we'd watch him and he'd just put it on the ground and just smoke them over from like 60 meters 65 meters you know a kid who's only like you know 17 kicking you know 65 meter goals you know with just putting the ball on the ground it was pretty it Was pretty cool to watch and you know us guys would try and compete with him just for the life of it yeah wouldn't get anywhere near his range <laughs> <laughs> yeah so
1: you have a, a pretty successful schooling career and then obviously you go to leave school and you mentioned being involved in the Auckland setup. So, what was the plan for when you left school? Like, did you get any sort of interest from like the Auckland, the actual rugby team, or like where did things go from there?
0: Yeah, so um, I I was lucky enough to I flew down the the Needham, uh, in my last year of school, like near the end, like after after exams, because Otago uh, Otago Academy they're they're interested in, in um, you know bringing me down. Helping me out with uni and then getting set up in the academy system down there, and that was pretty cool because you know a cousin of mine um, was down there playing for Otago, Ben team, um, and he he sort of he taught he showed us around me and my old man um, with the academy guys, um, you know you know the opportunities that they're they're giving, which was pretty cool, and um, I probably took it for granted when I was a kid, you know thinking. Um, what they're offering and I also had the Auckland Academy set up that was uh, keen on uh, me and obviously a few other boys from other schools that I grew up playing with in, in the rep, rep grade so I ended up wanting to stay in, in Auckland you know as you do if you're a young island boy you just you want to stay home uh, you know you're comfortable so I ended up staying uh, in Auckland first year of school. For the next sort of three years in the academy system. And, you know, my goal was to try and play some, you know, ITM Cup, what it was called back then, uh, and sort of go from there and see what happens. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, it didn't really work out with Auckland. I ended up uh, moving down the road to counties uh, a couple of years after that, and I was lucky enough to get a shot when Tana was coaching. And then sort of from there, things sort of just um, happened, I guess. And yeah, that was it, pretty much. Having done a bit of reading on you, bro, like I see that you moved
1: down to counties in 2015, but before that, you'd actually been called in to the Samoan national team. Yeah. So, was... bro, talk talk us through that, having maybe not been involved in a, I guess, a semi-professional or professional setup to you know then being called on to play for your country.
0: Yeah, well, it was, it was quite funny because um, I think I was playing like Auckland Development. I wasn't really getting any love from um, Auckland, our team. We just had so many, you know, real good players in the squad. So I was sort of playing Auckland Development on my last academy year, um, having fun, just enjoying footy. And we managed, we played Waikato, I think. And the coach of, one of the assistant coaches of Samoa, who was coaching the Chiefs at the time, Tom Coventry, he happened to be at the game, and uh, I happened to go all right. I was playing nine, and Pierce Francis was playing 10, so we actually both went all right that day, and I think he smoked Waikato, but he sort of um, coordinated with an old coach of mine, Dave Dillon, you know, like, he sort of asked me questions, like, oh, you know, what are your goals? he knew that I was Samoan and uh, the coach of Samoan at the time, the head coach Al- Alana Yirumia, was sort of looking for a young a young halfback sort of to develop and to bleed in the team. Uh, so it was, it really happened from there. They just, Tom sort of asked me, you know, would you put your hand up for Samoa if you were to be selected, uh, you know, bearing in mind that if you do, if you do get selected, Eligible to play for New Zealand, you know, in the future, and you know, at the time, I, I you know, and I got no regrets. I said, oh yeah, I'd love to put my hand up because best case scenario was I get picked for the up and coming uh, for the upcoming end of year tour, which was like two months later. In worst case scenarios, I, you know, I, I, had the option. of saying, hey, look, I want to make myself available. So I just said, Yeah, I'll make myself available, thinking that I wouldn't I wouldn't get picked. And then um, I think Tom came to watch a couple more games of me playing for Auckland Development. And from there, I, I got a call from Alama. And he said, You know, congrats. You know, you, I know you haven't got any uh, ITM Cup playing experience, but you know, we're pretty happy with what we've seen you know through your games with your development uh, team and you know you've been picked on the Northern Hemisphere tour for Manusia more so we're going to, to England, France Italy, and Italy play some test matches, I was just, I was shocked you know, he, I remember the day he rang me while I was working I was, I was on Smoko, I was sort of a, a foreman in the chiller of a pie factory Um, you know, as you are, as an academy kid, just, you know, and I was thinking, what the hell's going on, it was sort of surreal, and he's like, you know, we'll be assembling in about a month's time to get ready for the up-and-coming tests against uh, Canada, um, Italy, and and England, over there, so I sort of had to pinch myself, so I was thinking, you know, what the hell, I've just been playing development, and now I'm going to design a play at Twickenham Stadium. So it was pretty crazy, man, like things sort of just went from there, and, you know, I'm just grateful that guys like Dave Dillon and Tom Coventry and Alama gave me a shot, because that's where it sort of, um, that's where it started. And then from there, that's when I, I went to counties the next year and played a bit of club rugby then. Tana gave me an opportunity with ITM Cup which was pretty pretty cool yeah bro and you made your debut against
1: Italy on that interview tour yeah bro like like what was that day like what was the the week's build up to that game like for you after being like named on the Monday and even just that experience from going from you know I don't know take this as a slight almost like a club rugby player yeah yeah. and then just being like sort of thrust into travelling the world you know going through Europe bro
0: Oh it was unreal man. Like, I'd never been over to UK or to Europe so and and you know being being in the Minasauan War and you know I had cousins that played in the team and you know I'd always dreamed that one day I could represent them so to do it was actually pretty amazing and to do it with you know I was rubbing shoulders and training with guys that I grew up watching and you know like Kaan Whotuali'i was the halfback at the time, and um, you know, I was just in awe of him because you know, he was the man back in the day at Super Rugby. You know, he was like the form halfback in New Zealand. So I was just, I got to pick his brain and, and learn off him. You know, he was a maestro, and just being surrounded by guys like Cesar Johnson, you know, you grew up watching. Uh, it's just crazy, man, you know. Um, looking back i wouldn't i would not change anything you know putting my hand up to play for them and like you said going from like club rugby and development rep teams into getting thrusted into test rugby is, is a huge step <laughs> that i remember that week you know when i got named i was thinking shucks i can't believe i'm actually in the 23 and then I actually didn't think I'd get on, which I was totally fine with. I was just happy to sit on the bench and watch the boys play. You know, I was still in shock that I was there. But then I remember being called to, to actually run on in the last couple of minutes. You know, warm up, get ready, you're jumping on. You know, I was kind of like, oh man, kind of don't want to get out of scared But um, yeah, I'm just stoked that I, I got the opportunity, man, and. Yeah, no regrets. Totally, bro. Something that you'll remember forever. Yeah, uh, I don't. And so you
1: mentioned how you made the trip down the road to go play for counties in 2015. Yeah. But you, following or before the 2015 ITM Cup season, you actually played for Samoa against the All Blacks before the World Cup as well. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that was a, a huge game, obviously, um, especially for all those involved back in Samoa. So. Like, what was it? What was that like, bro? You know, going back to the motherland, playing in front of that crowd against, you know, the best team in the world. Like, was that just like, like, I'm guessing for you, like, within the space of like 18 months, you've gone from being like, bro, you know, I just want a shot at ITM to being like, holy yeah. heck, I'm playing against the All Blacks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, bro, like, I think having it in Samoa too was just awesome, man. Like, having family there and, and like, you see, going back to the motherland because I hadn't been back in. You know, probably like six, seven years. Um, you know, I was I was lucky enough to make make that campaign, and let alone be picked in the twenty three. You know, I don't I actually didn't think I'd get picked, but when I did get picked, I was thinking, shucks, you know, I can't believe that I'm in the twenty three to play the All Blacks. Like you see, the best team in the world, and it was literally the same thing as as the Italy game, you know, I was like, awesome, I get to watch 80 minutes of the boys go hard, you know, it's going to be an awesome cracker of a game, so I'm just sitting there on the bench, and then, you know, I think like 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was, left, you know, getting told to to warm up, you know, I'm literally just dropping my jaw like, man, I can't believe I'm going to go on, and then, uh, you know, I got on and, and had some fun, and, you know, we were almost, we were close in that game. You know, things could have gone either way, I thought. And like you said, they're the best team in the world, and they showed it in the end, but I thought we were real competitive in that game. And uh, it was just awesome for the for the country itself, you know, like, because if Samoa's not supporting Mona more, you know, when they are not playing, then they're supporting the All Blacks, you know. So, it's, you know, they're, they're pretty much their second-favorite second team. So playing against the All Blacks was pretty cool in that, in that World Cup prep. Um, yeah, no, that's probably my favourite memory, though, is, is that game. Yeah. I mean,
1: I guess it's not... That's a weird one because, you know, as a kid, you know, especially if you're going up in New Zealand, it's one thing that you want to sort of go and play for the All Blacks. But then I'm guessing it must be like a totally different emotion to play against them. So, like, when you got on the field, like when you go in to make a tackle, are you just like, man, I just tackled an all black or like when you've seen these guys, yeah, yeah, like, it's yeah. simple, like, like what like, is it? I'm just
0: trying to like, I'm a bit it's of a geek a with this stuff, like, bro. Yeah. It's, it's quite a hard case. Eh? Like when you're, when you're doing, you're standing there during, you know, the national anthem and growing up as a New Zealand born Samoan, you know, you sing national anthems, you know, at a primary school, you know, um, you sing the New Zealand National anthem. So, So actually first listening to the the, the New Zealand National Anthem was, was a bit weird. Um, and then actually facing the haka was, was pretty, pretty surreal, eh? Like unreal watching it because you always watch it from the stands as a kid, you know, if, if you're lucky to attend the game. And then like you said, like jumping on the field and tackling or running, you know, against, against one of the All Blacks um, was pretty... Pretty unreal. Had to pinch myself a couple of times, you know, at, at scrum time when I'm about to feed the ball, and I, I clearly remember that. But then, you know, i got to remember that, you know, these, these these blokes have got two arms and two legs just like us, and, and we're there to try and, and compete against them and try and beat them. So, you know, you you, you, you go in and out, out of those sort of um, phases, but as as the game progressed it sort of became a bit more natural that I that I wanted to compete against them and and try and beat them because you know at the time yeah, well they are the best team in the world and I thought we gave gave it a good shot.
1: No bro definitely and I think one of my follow up questions I want from this is that having played against them, do you understand sort of the aura that they have? Because a lot of the a lot of opponents who play the all backs talk about how it's actually more of a mental battle beating the All Blacks because you almost suck yourself out before the game, not thinking yeah. that you can actually beat them. So for you and perhaps the squad going into it, like, did you feel that firsthand? Like, is it really like tough mentally to be like, man, like, can we actually beat these guys? Like, we're gonna beat these guys because, I mean, that's the only way you win, right? Like, you have to go into a game thinking that you're gonna win, but
0: especially yeah. the All
1: Blacks. Like a lot of the time, you're like,
0: nah, we can't do this, you know. Like, you know yeah, you sort of second-get think- yourself. I think like for us leading up to the game we had a real good prep you know they they flew into the country like I think two days before for the game and they had to obviously acclimatize whereas we were there for already a, a couple weeks um, you know and it, it was like mid30s while we were there so we're pretty comfortable like like uh, fitness wise and and you know with with the climate. Our main goal was to play to our strength, which was to crash and bash. You know, we have big, big Samoan boys, big backs, and we wanted to to try out muscle them. And I thought we did for a lot of that that game. Like one of our tries from Alafoti, Fasaluba, he muscled his way through like four of their players, I think, and scored a try. And uh, we we met them and contained their midfield pretty well because we had some big boys like Paul Perez. Uh, You know, Johnny Liotta in our midfield. It was, I guess it wasn't really the mental side of things. It was more we wanted to try and out-muscle them, you know, for our focus. But I think where they sort of um, overtook us in the sort of last 10 minutes and secured the win was with obviously, like you said, the mental game. I I clearly remember guys like Richie McCaw and uh, I think it was Kieran Reid those guys just, you know, they didn't stop coming for it, you know. Literally 80 minutes, you know, to the last minute, Richie was just everywhere, bro. And, you know, it's, it's not until you actually, like, can play against him you realize that he's just a machine and, and, you know, probably one of the greatest ever players to play the game. So that he had a massive game, I thought, and that's that's that was the edge that they had over us, really, eh? So... It's it's quite tough to outmuscle a team for eighty minutes. Um, so I guess it's finding that balance of, of the mental side of things, like you said, and, and that's what they had. And like you said, their aura it just ended up giving them the win.
1: Yep. You guys definitely weren't the first team to um, encounter that, and won't be the last, or weren't the last. So yeah. Um. So you progress from there, bro, and you mentioned going and playing for counties. Uh, in that Mighty Team Cup or ITM Cup. And then from there, did you get any Super Rugby attention at all?
0: Yes, yeah, so I, 2015, I played like the last four or five games with County because I was coming back from, from being injured in um, and, and our World Cup prep for Samoa. So I played the last four or five games and I was lucky enough to... Uh, been involved with the Chiefs for the following season on kind of like a an interim contract. Uh, I, I don't know what they call them now. I think draft contracts or something like that. And, and also a replacement player contract because the halfback, uh, Augustine Pulu, was with the Sevens for the Olympics. So I was essentially sort of uh, in the setup for um, taking his spot. And there's nothing like I've never been involved with any sort of professional outfit like 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 when I was spent spent my four or five months with the Chiefs bro. It was just everything was just next level, you know they, they from the whole coaching setup to um, you know all the players that were there like the leadership group. They just ran everything real real well. Um, the culture they got they got down pack. I mean, um, us first two boys we went away on like a, a camp. Um, I think it was like, like me, Chase Teotia, Liam War, Ziggy, the prop, he's a Tongan prop, he's playing in France now, Atumoli. So we all went away on this camp run, like where they, they wanted to learn about us, the coaches, and you know, we like paddled up the river. We did like 20 Ks up the river or whatever it was for two days and we just, pitch a tent at a random place and then would have like fitness and and just learn about the region so it was it was unreal bro um that that year that sort of pre-season with the chiefs and that's when i realized like man it'd be awesome to do this full-time you know get to get to do what you love um every day and, and it doesn't feel like a job so that's that's what that year was like and no, I thought that helped me as a player and as a person, bro, like really grew. And um, yeah, no, it was awesome.
1: I mean, being involved in that setup, like you, you talk about, and like with some of the other guys that I've interviewed, they talk about like the jump, just in terms of like ability between Mitre 10 Cup and Super Rugby. But I mean, like having played at test level or, you know, having had a handful of tests did you think that actually aided you at all going into that environment or were you still sort of fresh with all, all the footy stuff that you'd encountered with another past year?
0: Oh, I think, I think it did kind of help me, like in terms of especially game understanding and like, tactical awareness and, um, you know, technique, um, tech and tech stuff, uh, but the, the jumps were massive from... Uh, I team Cup, oh, I might have 10, sorry, to Super. I, I just played a couple of the preseason games and, you know, they, those were, it was fast, bro. And, you know, New Zealand summer as well, so that you got to battle the heat too. Uh, thinking under fatigue, thinking quick, you know, getting to the breakdown as a halfback quick, clearing the ball. So I think I did, it did help me, like having, having a few tests under my belt. Um, especially in terms of like, professionalism, like you know, turning up to training with your book, ready to really get stuck in, ready to learn. So that, that did help me, bro. I think I still was a little bit fresh, like raw, in terms of um, like, you know, training, like fitness, and, and that I wasn't really exposed too much, like, because we are so more, you're only together for four weeks in a campaign so like if you're not involved in a professional outfit or uh, environment you're obviously in your club player you're obviously depending on club training to get your reps in for fitness or, or game replacement stuff so all you're training by yourself you know and, and as players have probably found during this lockdown it's it's pretty hard to motivate yourself when you're when you're training by yourself so uh, i was probably fresh in, in sort of that aspect but I did think playing for Samwell did help me quite a bit. Yeah.
1: And so you spend that, I guess, that summer leading into autumn and then into winter uh, break in the Tron, and then you actually mm-hmm. end up staying there as well and playing for Waikato later that year. Yep. Was was that sort of just like an easy transition for you, like you just wanted to stay in Hamilton?
0: Yeah, so I was, I was quite lucky because Webby was with Waikato and then he he was keen to go back home to Hawke's Bay, and I was off contract, so Waikato were keen to, you know, they are keen to have me for for the following couple of seasons, and you know it's quite funny because I'm I'm from Waikato and it sort of it sort of worked out quite well. All my mum's side we were all from South Waikato is like you know it's about time you come home, but I'd consider myself a Jaffa, but you know Waikato. Waikato boy at heart so I ended up staying, um, yeah, staying in Hamilton for the following two years with with uh, my cousin, and being in that setup with Waikato was unreal, man. You know, There's some some unreal players there, and I you know, got to, you know, a lot of people bag on Hamilton, bro, but like a lot of those people that bag on on Hamilton haven't actually lived there, so. I think it's a bit unfair. <laughs> Yo, bro, I'm, I'm included in that group, play like. <laughs> oh,
1: I've never actually like spent more than ten minutes in Hamilton, but yeah, i have
0: basically making passing okay. I reckon it's all good, man. Like it's pretty central, you know. It's like an hour away from Raglan, an hour and a bit to Auckland, about forty five to to the Mount, an hour and a bit to Taupo. So it's pretty pretty central to everything, bro. No, I yeah. enjoyed it, man. You know, I was playing some real good footy there too for for my club at Old Boys. Uh, we we're lucky enough to win it in two thousand seventeen, I think. So um, yeah, I've I've, I've had, a, I had a great time on Waikato man.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're a factory for rugby players as well. You only need to look at Hamilton Boys, and how yeah. successful they've been, pretty much since I've been since I've left school or even like before that, road. So, but anyway, like so you evolve with Waikato uh in two thousand sixteen, and then you go on another end of year tour with Samoa at yep. the end of
0: that year yeah. and then you actually get shoulder tech to go and play in Wales bro so how did that all come about yeah so uh, some uh, the halfback for Cardiff Blues uh, did his ACL sort of like near the beginning of the or well, halfway through the season I, it was quite funny I found out literally like probably a day before flying out to UK for the tour for the Northern Hemisphere tour from Montessor so you know, my manager rang me up and he's like, oh, bro, there's a great opportunity at Cardiff. They're keen on you, you know, to stay to the end of the season, which finishes in May. But, you know, you'd have to stay behind after your tour. So I'm like, oh, so you're telling me I leave in two days and instead of going away for a month? With will more. I'm going to be away for seven, eight months. And he's like, yeah, bro, that's the only catch. And then I was like... Bro, let's do it, man, you know, like, what an opportunity. Get to live in the UK for, you know, seven, eight months and experience what footy's like over there. Get to do a little bit of travelling, hopefully, on weeks off. So, it was pretty cool, man. Like, after that interview tour, I just stayed behind and got set up in, in Cardiff and Wales. And, oh, man, the was awesome, bro. And, had a good bunch of Kiwi boys at, at Cardiff Blues as well that I sort of hung out with and made me feel like at home. And there had guys like Gareth yeah. Evans, Nick Williams, Jared Hoyata, and then my teammate from Waikato, Wallace Holo and, and my saw one teammate, Ray Lillo. So it wasn't I wasn't too worried about um, you know settling in because I knew that that helped me quite a lot. and I've
1: only been fortunate enough to talk to uh, some of the younger guys uh, in terms of uh, these interviews that I'm doing, bro, but for you having gone over there and played in the UK, how does the rugby differentiate from what it's played like in New Zealand? Like, is it almost boring? Because I hear a lot of it being very forward-orientated, a lot of mm. kicking, like a lot like what the, the North Hemisphere
0: teams play like. So was it like a, a rude awakening for you when you went over there? Um, I kind of it, like... I knew what it was like because I, I love to watch a bit of bit of the footy over there because, you know, I support some cousins that play over there. So I, I kind of went in with an open mind about how the footy was going to be played differently. And being a halfback, which has been a link between the forwards and backs, I loved it, bro, because it actually teaches you how to be a tactician and how to be more involved with directing the game Especially in uh, bad weather, you know. People bag on, on their footy because they say it's slow and, you know, it's mainly kicking and that, but you're only limited to, to the climate, you know. You're not going to play expansive rugby in uh, real cold, bad fields. So it actually forces you as a halfback to, to learn how to, you know, kick the territory when, when not to, and how to cherish the ball when you have it. So like as a halfback I really enjoyed it bro. I loved it day. And, and you can see like a lot of the halfbacks over there, goal kickers, especially in France, they you know, they're they're the, the first choice goal kickers or, or the guys sort of driving the team. So that what I got out of it was being able to try and um, up my game and, and being a tactician and, and directing the game. So when I came back home to New Zealand, my whole outlook on, on box kicking and being real tactical about it changed and I think it really helped me when I came back. Unreal. Yeah, I guess like
1: being, you know, involved in rugby, you know, in the side of the world myself and obviously like when you have a team like the All Blacks whose yeah. bread and butter is playing expansively idiot like you said, you don't really get exposed yeah. to yeah. That, that sort of play. And like, yeah. like you mentioned, guys, guys like Connor Murray, uh, Danny Keir, you know, guys who were key for their teams at last year's World Cup, yeah, you know, yeah, they're, they're more so the game drivers
0: than maybe, what, like, the, or, you yeah. know, the way we look at teams here. Yeah, 100%. So. I think, like, in, in New Zealand, like, halfbacks are predominantly just sort of, like, you know, distributors, whereas over there, you know, you're, you're a distributor and you're a sort of tactician in terms of driving the game, and I think they need a Bring that over here a little bit more, and I think it's slowly developing. Yeah, fingers
1: crossed. Well, we learned the hard
0: way at the last World Cup, didn't we? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of things went into that, but yeah, I'm not gonna. I am i do not know, I feel conflicted when you say we because i I, I played it, yes, yeah, yeah, true, around. true, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on that, right? On that,
1: on that, bro, so we'll fast forward to 2019, and you get called into the San Juan team for the Rugby World Cup, yeah. And uh, I guess you've gone from, you know, all the way back in 2014 being called in and playing a test for your country, but then I guess the next step, even beyond that, you know, because you've already played against the All Blacks, is playing at a World Cup. So talk us through that phone call and then going over to Japan and, like, you know, being involved in the games
0: over there, bro, because I can only imagine that would have been, you know, cloud nine. Yeah. Oh, man. It was it was a roller coaster, bro, like. Uh, we were together for probably about six weeks in the Pacific Nations Cup, which was in June, July last year. So, um, you know, that's World Cup prep. And then afterwards, you know, I, I, I got sat down and I'd been told that, unfortunately, I didn't make the make the World Cup squad. So I was, I was pretty gutted at the time because that was one of my biggest goals was to make that World Cup team because I got ruled out of 2015 World Cup with with an injury in the in the World Cup prep so I got ruled out of selection for that World Cup so it was a huge goal to try and make the 2019 World Cup so I was pretty gutted when that happened but you know I knew that um, I played the best footy that I could have and I did everything I could to get picked and it just wasn't to be so uh, I came home and, and you know the, the beauty of it was you know I'm a builder a carpenter so I'm in the middle of my apprenticeship so it meant that I got to come home and, and tick off some, some more stuff with my carpentry. And then I went on a holiday for a couple of days. Me and my missus and uh, her old man, we went skiing um, at Mount Ruapehu and Samoa. We were playing Australia and getting ready for World Cup. And then, um, you know, with rugby, injuries occur, man, and, you know, A good mate of mine who was playing halfback, unfortunately, he got injured. And then, you know, the next day, the coach, Steve Jackson, gave me a call, you know, while I'm up on the mountain skiing, like, are you going to be ready for, you know, World Cup because you're on the plane? And I was thinking, wait, what? flying out to Japan in three days, and I need you on that plane. So are you keen? And I was like, oh, bro, that's, you know, that's every kid's dream. So I was so grateful that, that I got caught in. You know, it was quite funny, man, just because I was away skiing, just enjoying, like, you know, having a bit of a break from rugby, and, you know, just life, bro, and, and working as a builder. So it was just, I wouldn't say it was a win-win missing out on the team, because I, I got to... You know, go home and take off some stuff with my apprenticeship sure, and got to have a break. But being caught into that squad, man, it, it just it was unreal. You know, because it had been like three weeks since I'd seen the boys from Pacific Nations Cup and then actually seeing them at the hotel and uh, Auckland getting ready to fly out for World Cup. And then um, my family, had, you know, <laughs> my old man, he had to cancel some flights because he had booked some flights in case I had made World Cup and then he had to rebook when I told him that you know, I got caught in, so I was a bit of a roller coaster man, but I was just grateful to be be chosen man and be, be involved. Um, I actually probably in hindsight didn't think that I'd actually get a game by like being called in, so actually playing three out of the four games was pretty, pretty unreal, lady. Eh? Pretty grateful man, so yeah, it's just, just lucky man. Just real lucky and real blessed, bro. Just stoked as. And in Japan as well, man. Awesome people. Awesome country. Food was unreal. So, yeah, it was pretty special to be a part of.
1: Yeah, I guess because I'm, I'm like I said, bro, I'm a bit of a geek with this stuff. So, like, <laughs> what funny, I love to, bro, what, what I love
0: du- to do with these... doing your due diligence,
1: <laughs> you know. <laughs> what I love to do with these interviews, bro, is that I'm almost, like, trying to live out my own dream to the guys that I'm interviewing.
0: <laughs> oh, bro, I mean, if, th- if this is your dream, bro, then I'd say you're living it out, man, you know, like doing this whole podcast thing, which is which is cool, you know, because Casey and Dom told me that, you know, you actually did all the graft at uni and all of that to get here, because I know that sort of everyone's sort of making podcasts at the moment, but you've actually got all the credentials. <laughs> oh, bro, oh,
1: yeah, they're
0: probably
1: overselling it, but I, I appreciate the compliment, bro, but So yeah, it's all good, bro. Being over there and like playing on that level, you know, in front of like all those fans and because like one of the cool things was obviously you had to acknowledge the fans after the game. So like all of that sort of cultural experience, would you say it's like your, your biggest rugby memory or just like nothing compared to your debut or playing against your blacks?
0: I think, I think that and and playing against your blacks would have to be like on par, just just because also having my family over there to like watch me play because none of them sort of apart from my missus had actually watched me play for for some so you know like what having my old man there and, and my old lady and my sister there actually support me playing for Samoa. you know it was unreal and the, the culture was just amazing bro like i think it's real similar to to sort of the island culture in Japan. Like we, you know, you have a lot of respect for your elders and it's sort of a hierarchy system. So I think like that was a pretty cool thing with with us island boys, like the Samoans, Tongans and the Fijians that that we can relate to, we can resonate because, you know, back home, well back in Samoa and the islands, it's real life, it's all about faith and religion and also respecting your elders and and in Japan bro that's what it is you know you're respecting your elders and they come first so it was pretty cool man.
1: Unreal. All right and then so progressing from last year's world cup you obviously take a bit of time off after the big tournament Mm. and then you uh you head over to America to be a part of major league rugby bro so talk us through that and then I guess what eventuated and you coming home. I know things aren't all that great over there at
0: the moment, so. Yeah, so um, I, I was lucky enough to to get involved with the team from, from Texas, Austin Gilgronis. Um, you know, unfortunately, they hadn't they haven't won they hadn't won a game in two years being in, in the American comps. So one of my old teammates uh, from Counties I knew was going to be over there. Um, Frank halis so he he let me know he was there and then I got um, the coach got in touch with me because he coached me a bit in, in auckland with the development team you know he was interested in having me over there so he sort of gave me a proposal on, on what their their vision is to turn this team around and um you know get them up because the only way up or well, the only you know way to go was to go go up and go forward because they, they hadn't literally bro, hadn't won a game in two years you know so um, I got over there, and you know, like they say, everything's bigger in Texas. It actually is, bro. Everything, cars, trucks, just everything. It's a different world over there, eh? And you you can't really understand, you know, until you're there, living there, and, and with rugby as well, I think it'll blow up the M L R. You got guys that are playing minor team cup and M L R, which is pretty cool, cause guys have the opportunity to be a full time you know, a professional rugby player if they're not playing Super Rugby or if they're not playing in UK or Europe. So that was pretty cool. Uh, As unfortunately, I only played one game because my, my visa came late, me and a couple of other Kiwi boys, and we got over there, played one game against um, the Houston Sabre Cats, and, and we won, bro. it was so funny. We actually won, and, you know, the team was just real emotional because... A lot of you know a lot of those boys haven't won a game in two years, so to actually win that game meant everything to them. And us Kiwi boys we were just like we didn't realise how how much it meant to them. And then after that week, the MLR sort of postponed the season, and then and then canned it because of what's happening with the virus. So <laughs> there's an inside joke between us Kiwi boys that sort of just got there and and played that game. Oh, and one other boy from England. Um, We've got a 100% success record (laughs) with Austin, so um, I'll be happy to claim that, bro. Got a one from one.
1: All right, bro. I think that that obviously wraps up footy so far for you, and hopefully uh, we get some footy back for you going forward. Um, yeah, yeah, obviously, way. you had to be playing in New Zealand, but uh, one of the other things i like to do is get to know you guys sort of beyond what you guys are doing on the field. So, what does your game day routine look like?
0: My game day? So, if it's a night game, um, i tend to get up, like, probably after 8, you know, have, have a good breakfast, and then I like to get out of the hotel, if we're in a hotel, uh, go for a walk, and then I'd like to round, usually I try and hang around with the boys that love their coffee and love to play cards, so we'll try and find a cafe and, and play a bit of cards, a bit of creek, and then I'll, I'll go back to the hotel, and then I'll pretty much probably just just sleep and stretch for the next sort of three, four hours, and then I'll listen to some, some podcasts with Joe Rogan, and watch a bit of YouTube, and then... Uh, have lunch or pre game meal and then I'll I'll get an I'll get another quick maybe twenty minute, half hour nap in and then I'll start um, getting all my stuff ready for the game. But if it's like an afternoon game for a club, I'll do the same thing. I'll get up early. I'll go get outside, go for a walk after I've had breakfast, have a coffee, meet up with, you know, my, my teammates. At a cafe which is pretty cool we have this coffee club with my local club team Ponsonby there's um, about seven of us and every every game day we'll go to a different cafe whichever one whichever local club team we're playing whether it's our West Auckland South Auckland we'll play card game out there and then the loser will obviously pick up the bill and then just shoot to the to the venue bro and start vibing out and start chilling listening to some music and get ready for the game do
1: you have any pre-game superstitions? pre-game superstitions
0: Um, I kind of there's actually one song that I always have to I have to finish on my playlist before I head out to run out for the individual warm up or individual prep time um and that's because i don't know why actually that's i think maybe because of my debut against samoa that was what i listened to it's just it's old thing back from you know the Matoma remix from biggie and Rule. so that's that's like what i like to vibe out to as as my last song just before i shoot out of the changing room yeah bro uh and when you were involved with like
1: the ITM Cup teams or whatever and obviously you guys train all week and you play your games and get a day off. Yeah. What what do you get up to on your day off? What are some of your hobbies?
0: Uh usually on my day off I'll meet up with again, coffee and card crew. <laughs> Go to the whichever local cafe is and, you know, we'll play a bit of cards. And then I'll just chill out at home bro and play a bit of Playstation. Or just, you know, do some admin around, around the house. Try and tidy up. <laughs> but mainly cards and coffee, bro. I love I love playing cards and I love my coffee. Sweet, bro. Right, and then my
1: last segment is something that I do with everyone again. It's called 10 from the bin. So I've got 10 questions for you, bro, and you've got to answer them as honestly as possible. Cool. And Number one, what's your go-to vessel at the pre-drinks on a night out? <laughs>
0: uh, coronas. Cool.
1: Who's the biggest coach's pet you've been around?
0: The biggest coach's pet? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Matt McGahn. Oh, uh,
1: least favorite fitness block?
0: Um, MAS, like mass running. Yeah, those are
1: killers. Uh,
0: favorite cheat meal? Uh, Man Albert's Spicy House. Mm,
1: quick plug. Um, most
0: regretful baller purchase. Man Albert's uh, Barbecue Noodle House. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Uh, most regretful baller purchase. So that's like, what have you gone out, spent a whole lot of money on, and then like the next day or the next week being like, bro, I did not need to buy that?
0: <sighs> what have I? It'd probably have to be a night out in Cardiff. I think I spent like a couple of handy pounds on some Grey Goose bottles, uh, a couple of rounds for the boy. I think I spent probably like eight hundred pounds or something. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't a nice morning when I realised.
1: Holy, <laughs> oh, but it's like it's like. It's like, it's like 1,400 Kiwi,
0: Yeah, yeah. Don't remind me, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bro, the boys would have loved you in the morning.
1: Or at least on the night out. But your bank account... Hey, is definitely... As long as
0: they reciprocated, eh? Hey. <laughs> but how often do they do that, bro? Oh, it's usually... Like, you know, like, if you have a good win, man, then you deserve a bit of life balance, is what I call it. Yeah,
1: bro. Fair to, to say that you... Have deeper pockets than some, though, obviously.
0: Oh, no, nah, I, I was just a kid, bro, like <laughs> thinking that I was rich, but I wasn't. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, best dance move. Best dance move.
1: What's your go to dance move?
0: Oh, probably the. That's a tough one. Probably the... I don't know, maybe the Dougie?
1: <laughs> bro, everyone said that, eh? Everyone that I've interviewed who said that they dance. They either say they don't dance or they say the dagio. I I do it, bro, and I don't even realize I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. All right. Uh, Who's the biggest grub you've played with and against?
0: The biggest grub? uh, Mm -hmm. Jamie McIntosh. I play with him in in Austin. He's a bit of a grub, but I haven't played against him. Uh, But who'd be a grub that I've played against? it's a tough one I wouldn't, I wouldn't know bro cause I, I like to think I'm a bit of a grub <laughs> as a halfback you, you gotta be cheeky bro it's one of the prerequisites yeah
1: 100% alright last question bro and um, it might get you into a bit of trouble but like I said you gotta answer it as honest as possible no worries just finish the sentence for me Saturdays are for the boys
0: <laughs> oh man always bro (laughs) always? yeah, Saturdays are for the boys cool bro Uh,
1: so like I said at the beginning at the interview bro, I really appreciate you taking the time out to have a talk with me, this has been a lot of fun bro Um, no worries bro it's it's, it's really cool like, because everyone has a different story, I mean although you know, you might be rubbing shoulders with certain players and be involved in certain setups, everyone has a different path
0: as yeah, to how they got
1: there and all the stuff that they've encountered along the way and yeah, even for you going forward different bro. from each other eh? everyone's unique in their own way exactly so i really appreciate you sharing what you've went through and some of your experiences and like uh with everyone else i hope that you stay safe and healthy and hopefully we can get back to some
0: normality sooner hey i appreciate that Jordan, bro really do bro hopefully you know when you're in auckland next we'll or you know, wherever you are, if you come to Auckland, bro, I'll show you a coffee on me, bro. Oh,
1: bro, I'll definitely take you up on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for the time being, though, yeah, like I said, stay safe. And you have my permission to give Dom a jab, if he's ever playing up, <laughs> and just say that it came from me, bro, so I'll be the brunt of it. Yeah, no worries, bro. I'll, 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 I'll take that on board. <laughs> right, bro, take care.
0: Yeah, you too, bro. Take it easy, eh?